Hello, hello. Forgot that was my job. <laughs> yes, it's because I wouldn't be very good at it. <laughs> I'm Jessica Benoist Young. I'm Melanie Reap. And this is Best Line, Worst Line, where we talk about scripted things. We watch them, we take notes on them, we discuss them, we choose our best and worst lines from each. This week, we're getting, we have a theme, all right? Mm-hmm. You know I love themes. We do we have love a theme, theme um, How that, would you categorize a theme? It's fashion. I would say evil people in fashion. Evil people sure. in fashion, well, yes. <laughs> or misunderstood evil people in fashion. There you go. We've got the devil in each one here a little bit. We do. That's our theme. Um, The the theme was chosen in honor of our guest this week, our very special guest. She is a clothing designer and maker, podcast enthusiast, film buff, born and raised in Portland. She is like a sister to me. She is part of my family. Please welcome... The fabulous Katie Dimmick. Woo! Applause, applause, applause. Woo. And <laughs> Katie, tell us a little bit. I did not know this about you until I was asking you, like, you know, what, um, you know, some things to include in your introduction. Tell us a little bit about your special connection to film, because every time like, I always hear new things about your dad. Like, we're always talking about, like, things that your dad does. And he seems like this, like, renaissance man. And then you, like, tell me this this thing that you have, like, with the film industry through your parents. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, my, I guess both my parents, but yes, my dad is a fabulously multi-talented man who has had many careers. Um, he doesn't know how to retire. He just likes to start new things and get really good at them. So... I, uh, I hope to be just like him when I grow up. Um, so my father was raised kind of in the film business because uh, his dad owned a um, like the first film developing facility, I guess you'd call it, in Portland. And so my dad grew up like watching his parents like run the film through the developer okay. and the setter and printing pictures and all that kind of stuff. And then my grandpa had like a fabulous collection of cameras that my dad learned to work on and then, and use and all that. And then pretty organically, it kind of turned into my dad getting into the film business. Cause there wasn't really much of one in Portland and probably this would have been like 1975 ish. I think he started his production company in Portland and um, mm-hmm. then he had that until it was called Signature Films. Um, it's still kind of around. He sold it to one of his uh, directors eventually, and it became at-large films. Okay. And then it sort of like branched out into different areas. But it wasn't a, like, I have to say I'm from a film family, not a movie family, because mostly what was done in Portland was not like feature-length films. Um, my parents have each been on a couple, but mostly what they did right. was like... PSAs, um, a lot of like work with like Mercy Corps. So my dad got to go on some really cool um, and I guess kind of depressing trips around the world to film like slums in um, different parts of the world to try to ask for donations. And he did a lot of political spots. So his like 
I was uh, talking to him, I was like, who is like the coolest or like most recognizable name you think you met like in the film industry? And he was laughing and he's like, well, it's probably Jimmy Carter, but it's not because of film. Like it was because of my job in film, but he's not a film person because he's a politician. So he has a lot of fun stories like that. But like he met, uh, well, Caitlyn Jenner when, um, as an athlete, cause I think, um, okay. for somebody mm-hmm. and he did something with Reba McIntyre back in the day. And <laughs> so he's got all sorts of fun stories. So anyway, so I grew up with my dad having a film studio and getting to like mess around there. And then I think the majority of my college fund was all just the little payments that I got for being like a baby <laughs> in ads that got carried around. Cause my parents were like, well, you're here anyways. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> my mom was also a, she was on the radio as a radio I guess, disc jockey, but mostly she did like news and like reporting kind of things. And then she switched into film at some point. And so then that's how my parents met. My mom was a location scout and like a continuity director. So she used to like, before we had digital cameras for everything where they could just take pictures of everything and come back to it. She had to wander around sets and like take pictures of the Polaroid to make sure that everything Costume like got back to the exact same spot. And- yeah, that's interesting. In a, uh, in a pre-digital world, shall we dive into the movies and maybe yes. um, let's say what the movies are? So, the, yes. when you think of movies about fashion or devils, because or devils. that was a common. The first movie that comes to mind is The Devil Wears Prada. Yes, I forgot how much I liked out? this movie. Two thousand six. Okay. Okay. I looked it up. It feels like a very solid 2006 movie yeah. and fashion. Fashion-wise, music-wise, like, cast-wise. I forgot how much I liked this movie. Like, I was watching it, and I was like, I really do enjoy this. I enjoyed it. I also had some some newer feelings about it. I had some newer feelings about some of the relationships and the characters. You would not know it from the way I show up to most of these podcast recordings, but like, I love fashion so much. I mean, we could have added a whole category for this week of like, I mean, it's an audio medium, so this doesn't really work. Maybe we put this on our Instagram, but we could have added a whole category with like best cost, like best outfit, because I, the, um, the amount of times I tried to recreate, like I so wanted Andy's like blood bangs and yeah. the like the sweater over the like I mean I wore this all the like uh, the black sweater with the white crisp shirt and the like Chanel beaded necklaces like I made a necklace that was like reminiscent of the, like that had that kind of styling I thrifty thrifty yeah I definitely the Chanel boots like I love the outfits in this movie and I just remember like being a like very fashion obsessed teenager like trying to do that. And my forehead is too short for those kind of things, but like <laughs> I wanted it and then they were going to be too much upkeep, but Oh yeah. I love it. I love it. I think a lot of people got those bangs after yeah. that movie and then realized that not all faces are the meant problem for that. Is, I did a version. That was, that was the end of straight hair. Straight hair was really trendy for like those first couple years of the 2000s and thank then, you jennifer we, aniston yeah and then we like swung full force back into wavy and curls mm-hmm. and stuff and so it was like all these people got the blunt bangs because we were all straightening our hair super straight and it worked then but they don't work if you are putting any sort of like texture or shape to your hair whatsoever or if, you, <laughs> if you have texture in your like i mean yeah so what 
So what was your favorite outfit then? Outfit, ensemble, look? Uh, I don't even know. Um, I, as I said, I love the Chanel boots. I like the, the first one. The thigh highs. Those are great. Um, I With love... the blazer, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, when she, and when she goes, like, are those the Chanel boots? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I, um, yeah. Love that. I love the, I really do love the, like, coral dress with the cerulean belt i have a belt that is like that color um and uh, every time i wear it i think of that scene i love when she's delivering the book and she's in that as i said that like black sweater over the white Mm -hmm. shirt that's Mm -hmm. just like my style anyway there are just so many looks particularly of andy's in this movie that i would be like would wear would wear would wear so that's like honestly my like could that be my best line actually i have a best line but like the fashion in both of these movies is a character oh yeah absolutely absolutely yeah um i would just say if i had to and i think i i sort of talked about this with katie the other day like i i enjoyed the heck out of this movie i will watch it again like i watched it a dozen or so times at least in my life before this and I'm never going to forget it. Like it's going to be a movie that's just in my head for the rest of my life because it is really, it is so unique, but like it it just felt obnoxious this time. (laughs) That's like the best word I can come up with is that there was just this like pervasive, annoying quality throughout the entire movie from a from a couple different sources that I was just like oh okay I I love the characters I love the actors like do such a great job in this Stanley Tucci Stanley Tucci like it is is everything in this movie it is worth watching this movie just for Stanley Tucci and and it is a really well done. It's so well paced. The plot progression is so on point. Like it is. It's a tight just, script. It's tight. They tightened it. They knew what they were going for and, and it goes. And so like for those reasons, it, it's a good movie. And I see why it was, you know, I, I completely understand why it was so incredibly popular when it came out, but like, I don't know, there are just like so many things where this time around I was like, that's annoying. That that's annoying. That's annoying. <laughs> you know? And and it just felt like it didn't stop. Yeah, I think like for me this time around, it was like clear that like I mean they talk a lot about like sizes and being mm-hmm, the you know? way and that and that is a the very phobia is huge uh-huh. in this right. movie. Well yeah. and like that didn't like that didn't register as my worst line because it fit. Like it's, it was supposed to be obnoxious. Right. Like, it was supposed to be like this is ridiculous. It was supposed to be all of that type of thing mm-hmm. and like playing up the ridiculousness of it, and it fit those characters. But I think we've also seen a move like that was very mid two thousands. We've seen mm-hmm. a move to more. I mean, I think in the fashion, like in the fashion industry, that is still a thing. But like even in you've read on runways in you know in magazines you see a lot more like body inclusivity Uh so there is definitely a move to not having a two and four sample size you know i think that there were parts like there were definitely many of those lines where i was like 
okay, this fits and we're poking fun at the fashion industry, like, and we're just showing it and how it is and blah, blah, blah. But then it was like, at some point, it just was like, I get it. This is enough. This is like, I, I, I think I, I wrote it. down I don't like need to hear any more about it. <laughs> I wrote down like every line that happened, like the first seven minutes that was just kind of over the top about Biden. Mm-hmm. I was like, that was the first seven minutes. And it does kind of lighten Ugh. up because after they're trying yeah. to like really push it in your face of like how crazy it is and how out mm-hmm. of place she is, they do lighten up a little bit. But it's like, yeah, like Gwyneth Paltrow, has she lost the weight yet? Like when has Gwyneth Paltrow ever needed to oh, lose God. weight? And like no. he's like saying that Anne Hathaway is fat. Like, I'm sorry, Anne Hathaway is not fat. <laughs> and I mean, even if she was, it shouldn't, it wouldn't matter. But like that's a ridiculous standard to set and the whole size two thing. And I love the line because it's Stanley Tucci and the way he delivers it is amazing. But when he says like cellulite is the main ingredient in corn chowder, yes. I was just like, what? Yeah. Like I, I love it, but that's also insane. But it is, it's very of its time, very, but it's also kind of and, problematic. Like, that's also very of like, the industry gosh. too. Like I think that's, mm-hmm. as you said, like it's just trying to like push it in your face of like, this is the world or at least the world as, the author of the book wants to portray it. Yeah. I mean, I used to model back in the day and in Portland, which is a much lower key scene or whatever, but there was, um, I did one of the larger shows in Portland and I was like doing a casting for the different designers. And there was like a couple of project runway stars that were there. And one of them was like, can you be 115 pounds by the show? didn't ask what I weighed. So I weighed, I think at the time, like 120. So I was like, I mean, yeah, but I don't but want like based to. On what? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I mean, tech, like, yes, I could be, but based on yeah. what? And then I realized he literally was asking every single girl in the casting call if she could be 115 pounds by the show, no matter height or body build or whatever. So I was like, yeah, like, I'm not that far off of that first time I'd ever been asked to lose, lose weight for something. But the girl after me was probably like four inches taller. And he was like, can you be right, 115 right. pounds? And she was like, I don't think so. It's such an arbitrary thing. Yeah, so it like, is. Just a number. Yeah. A size. And a that's weight. how some designers are. Because that was yeah. not my normal experience. But, right. Well, that's good at least. Yeah. Well, and as a clothing designer, like now, I'm like, it's much more about the measurements. Yeah. If you had said like, uh, like, I have a dress that I want you to wear and I like your waist has to be 27 right. inches Oof. or whatever. Like, is that possible? Then that is something that I still don't think is like very cool to be asking people, but it actually means right. something, yeah. you know, it doesn't have anything like weight it's is like such, a, it's such a stupid don't thing have time to, be. to alter all of these. I need someone who has this measurement. Yeah. Yeah. Or like your bust needs to be this measurement. Right. Like yeah. what is your bust measure? Like he just didn't even ask yeah. any of those questions either. It was just like 150. And he was like, I'll put you on a scale. Oh, if you need to know where you're starting. And from. how like and chauvinistic like, oh. too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, back to the movie. I think that's like, it's just such an interesting thing <laughs> about like, there's so much to like the two different worlds. What, what annoyed me, I think most about, and most of my worst lines were not anything of the, like no, of the weren't. fashion world. Mine all came from Andy because I think there was some, like for me, it was like a lot of what she said was just, and I, I tried to look at it like as like a, the line and like, as a writer, would that be like actually said, I felt so much of what she said was like a little cliched and a little forced. And that to me, like, I just, there was her character bothered me and probably has always bothered me in this movie. I didn't have any 
problems with her at all. I actually do see your point about like her being a little cliche. I think in the way that she has to constantly like regurgitate her excuses for why she's so invested in this career, but other people put that on her and that's who I had the problem with. Not Andy. Her relationships are Oh my gosh, her relationships are are terrible. Like at work, obviously, but her relationships outside of work, like the way that her friends are like happy to get all the free samples, but then are like jeopardizing her career by like stealing her cell phone and tossing her on the table. Like that makes me deeply uncomfortable. And then her boyfriend is like not like he's portrayed as this like martyr supportive character. This, which also working in restaurants is a lot of like, uh, like that takes a lot of time too. Absolutely. And random hours and getting called in on your time off. One of the biggest annoyances that I had with this movie is the concept of the adult birthday. (laughs) (laughs) I am not like anti-adult birthday, but I am anti-people acting like (laughs) an adult birthday party is worth acting like a child over. Like, yeah, celebrate your birthday. He, like storms to his room for everyone. Great, but also like he's right. what he's probably turning like 30, 28, not 30, even somewhere in there. Like or or like an off number. Like if it's a big okay. to do and you've had it on your like like if you spent a lot of money on it and you, somebody blows it off, then I get no. it. It's like they were having food and drinks, drinks at his something. house. That's not a party that you pout over if your girlfriend has to work late. Like I'm sorry. <laughs> And I love that he's like sitting on the couch so, waiting. Like, yes. you know, that's just like vindictive so that, and manipulative. He's like, I'm not just going to go to bed before you get home. I'm going to sit on the couch. I'm going to pout yes. about it. And then I'm going to be a brat when you get home. And then I'm going to go to bed he and not is talk to you. pouting. And then later he says, <sighs> she brings it up. And she's like, I'm sorry that you were so upset. I missed your birthday. And he says, what am I for? And I'm like, yeah, that You're is acting exactly like it, apparently. what you acted like the previous day when you, you sat there and guilt tripped her with silent treatment and oh, like I couldn't handle it. I just, oh. so let's oh get goodness. into it since I think we're, I think we're there. What are your worst lines in the movie? Um, you clearly had a problem with the Nate character. Well, I have another problem. I have other problems with this movie, but I wrote, okay. took so many notes because it is something that like the, the impact of her not making it to his low key, adult birthday party it goes through the rest of the movie and then there's this other thing that keeps getting talked about in this weird way and i think that's where my worst line kind of came from so then this other big thing that happens that really it didn't annoy me that it happened i think it's you know funny in the the dark twisty way of this this movie but um so emily the mm. other the Emily Blunt character is named Emily, yes. and she's the assistant, and she is obsessed with going to Paris, Paris for Fashion Week uh, with Miranda Priestley. Miranda, okay, yes, Miranda. And uh, Andy has gotten so good at being an assistant that Miranda now treats her like the first assistant and is really like connected with her. And wants to take her instead. So mm-hmm. she and she's going to make Andy tell Emily that she's not going. Which is and just vindictive. 
she, yeah, it's awful. So she's on the phone and with Emily and Emily's picking stuff, you know, running gopher errands and stuff. And she's so upset that she gets hit by a car. Yes. Mm-hmm. But then they keep treating this, this whole thing like as if they talk about her the rest of the movie as if she did not get hit by a car, as if the possibility of her going to Paris was still on the table. And they keep treating Andy like she's a like she's a freaking monster for going to for like choosing to go to Paris. Yeah. It's like, first of all, your boss told you you're going. You go. And said yeah. she'd fire you if you wouldn't, if like, you didn't. Your, your boss said you're going. So you go like, yes, you can have like loyalty to people to some degree, but Emily has shown no loyalty to her. They're not friends. Andy was like, it was nice of Andy to be concerned, but it is professional. It is business. It's a job. It's not like, oh, but my friend wanted to go. They're not friends. (laughs) Well, and too, sorry, um, like they equate like... It, it it has always bothered me. And maybe this is where you're going with the, with your line. Like when Miranda screws over Stanley Tucci, which yeah. like, that is terrible. Miranda equates that with like, like Andy's like, I can't believe you yep. did that to him. And I Miranda's would never like, do well, that. And she and said, she's like, you already did to Emily. But it's not the same. Like, but that's not the it's same not thing. The same. And that was the word. That me. was my, that was, that one, like, it's kind of just the whole concept. There are, like, a few, there are, like, a trio of lines that sort of just represented, like, how this was treated so nonsensically. And, but that was the one that really stuck out to me when she says, I would never do that to anyone. And Miranda says, you already did to Emily. And it's like, no, 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 no. Miranda, you did that you to did. Emily. You just made someone else be the messenger. And then it was like, Andy, had the the choice then taken away from her again because then Emily was physically not able to go. We don't know what Andy would have done if Emily hadn't been hit by a car. She may have changed her mind. She may have said, I can't go. She, We don't know, like, because that ceased to be an option because Emily was physically incapacitated from traveling. And And so then there's like this other line, like they have this conversation when she has the fight out in the street with the boyfriend where they end up deciding to take a break. And he says, I'm like, he's talking about how she's changed and she's doing all this stuff for her job. And Andy then again has to like regurgitate some cliche thing about how like this job will get her whatever job she wants down the road and stuff. And he's kind of like, I'm fine with everything you've done. And I'm fine with how like you having that job as long as you do it with a little integrity. And in my head, I was like, what has she done that has not shown integrity? Why is everybody, why is everybody, but, and then it's like on the, the tail end of him, like shouting someone out, shouting something at her like don't forget to tell Emily about something that's going to happen in Paris and it's like she can't go (laughs) 
why is everybody acting like she did not literally that day just get hit by a car? When they have, when she has the fight with Nate, it was like that day. He knows she got hit by a car and he's still throwing it in her face that she's going to Paris instead of Emily. It's like, Emily can't go. Can we seriously drop this? <laughs> well, and the thing too about the integrity, it's like she does buy into it and start to like really defend Miranda in a way that is like, this is out of her character. And I think that could be the integrity point. However, Miranda has a line later too, that is like similar, like you chose to get ahead and like you chose this business, you chose to get ahead. And it's like, well, I mean, actually she chose not to get fired. Like that yeah. was like the choice that she was making was not to get fired and not necessarily to get ahead. So I don't know. It's, there are some incongruities with that whole deal. Katie, what was yeah. your worst line? So I kind of have a couple, okay. two things. So one is a Stanley Tucci. It's kind of like two lines about him. So I just think that it's like, depressing I don't know that it's like the worst line but it's like the saddest line or whatever is um first he says something when Andy's talking about like how her personal life is like hanging by a thread and Stanley Tucci says like let me know when your whole life Mm -hmm. goes up in smoke and that's when you know it's time for a promote or that's when we need to give you a promotion and I was like that's kind of a bummer and then later like when he thinks he's getting like his just desserts event like finally and he's like the first time in 18 years I'll have control over my own yeah. life you know I'll be able to come to Paris and see Paris and I'm like that's such a freaking yeah. bummer yeah. like you should not work in this like high powered career I mean even if he doesn't have all the power he's still been working in this like very big fashion world for 18 years and he's never just been able to go to Paris and see Paris and then when he doesn't get it he's like she'll pay me back or she'll get me back for this or whatever and Andy's like will she and it's just that that kind of whole like workaholic and not a whole lot of respect for the people working for you was like sort of a series of like the saddest I don't know if it's the worst and then my other side is that Miranda is not an idiot so some of the things that she asks Andy to do specifically around the freaking storm oh and, the God, yeah. Yeah. and she says what well, I wrote down the actual thing she says but um oh she says the weather oh please it's just I don't know drizzling yeah. and I'm like Miranda Priestley <laughs> is, not, <laughs> is right. not an idiot there's literally a hurricane going on outside she's surely taken plenty of private yeah. jets and private she's helicopters she doesn't want to die in a hurricane 20 something no matter years. how much she wants to see her yeah no matter how much she wants to see her daughter i think it's a recital the next day and so the way that they like really push her like ruining andy's night over something that isn't andy's fault and i get they're just trying to show the that, hubris like, miranda mm-hmm. ex- yeah the hubris and that miranda expects the world to acquiesce yeah. to her when she's standing in front of that window with like a freaking hurricane right behind her saying, I don't know. It's just, I love the comedy of that though. Like I really do love the comedy of that. Yes. Yes. And it's, you can understand why it's there, but I was like, Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. She's not a dumb woman. So that line, it's like, it makes her look dumb, even though like the point is the hubris. Um, Your point about the sad lines. I totally agree. I think they, they, they work for the character and it shows how like hard he's worked and everything, but man, they're a bummer. They are a bummer. Yeah. It's a bummer. And there's no really like resolution, yeah. you know, like it just kind of yeah. ends with him being like, she'll pay me back. And Andy being like, I don't know. Will she? And then you, we never have any hint, you know, that like things are going to end up. Oh, okay I with think him. that's so like, the resolution is that it won't. He's just going to yeah. be stuck in this. Which is, <sighs> again, a that's bummer. So... Um, this toxic, toxic yeah. environment. Yeah. My worst lines 
generally come from Andy, but we, I had some contenders from, um, and I guess this, the one that I actually chose, um, was around, um, the Christian Thompson of it all who had not gotten to it all yet. I hate that character. I think he is entitled. I think he is snaky. He's so smarmy. He's such a, like, like, I mean, he's so, like his his singular focus on sex and Andy and the boyfriend is so creepy and like I get it I get the character he's I mean like here's the thing like I'm not mad as far as like the storytelling aspects about the character I think it works for the script it works for the story because like I've met those guys I've met those guys we've all met those guys and so I don't hate like as a storytelling device that character I just don't like the character um but my worst line comes from when they're like having their night out in Paris. Andy says something like, well, I never understood where I, everyone is so crazy about Paris, but now it's just so beautiful. And I'm like, that is so and cheesy she, like, and cliche spins around the pole. And I was like, no, honey, it's so nobody cliche. does this. And it's like, you just, and I know she's like, <laughs> unless you're wasted, like, right. And I know she's like, well, intoxicated she, with- she was, was she? No, but she's intoxicated by the city and the moment, and she's, like, upset about the recent breakup and all those things. But it's just, like... She's not that kind of person, though. Right, and that's where it gets that integrity part of, like... It just seems... Like, that line feels very out of character. Um, And that whole thing, she's, like, completely stood her ground against Christian Thompson until this moment. And, like, I get it. She's, like, he's an attractive man who's powerful, and he, like wants her but he also just is like using her and is then an ass the next morning uh-huh. and he's just like just trying to and like again not a problem with that as a storytelling device i just don't like the character i don't know i thought like i think he is really i think you're right though he i don't think it is realistic like yes there are men like that but i think the way that he was portrayed was very much a caricature and yeah. and then when that happens, then it forces like her interactions with him to be unrealistic Cliche. as well. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that whole plot, you know, I think it's I mean, it's not you, my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. It, it fits, but it kind of falls flat and you don't, you don't get much from it, but then we have right. to use him as like the, the messenger device, you know, for the big twist at the end. Right. Which he, you know, it just seemed like also his involvement in all of that came out of like, left field. Like right. he we don't see him. We don't exactly. see his journalistic experience being entrenched with these people. With Jacqueline or any, no, it's, well, he doesn't get to be a character. He's just singularly obsessed with getting yeah. Andy. Like that's kind of his entire character. And then, and then it comes out of nowhere. And you're just like yeah. at the end, like, oh, you're yeah. Yeah, it's it's very out of left field where this could have been a person that was introduced to her like day one right. as somebody in the sphere of the magazine. No, he's a freelancer who seems until the very end to be really not above. interested in... Yeah, above runway, yeah. like condescending to it. Yeah, he, he seems like he's more yeah. of a man of the world and wants to write about more mm-hmm. literary type things, uh, more like philosophical. That's how he presents himself. So then that he's like, w- then all of a sudden that he's like one of the like hinge pins of this deal with 
the French runway. An international yeah, deal. It's like, okay, so you really want to spend, you want to be the editor of a fashion magazine that you've spent half of the movie making fun of? Yeah. For, for what? For money? He already has plenty of money. Well, and so, you like, know, okay, so it's going to take it in a new direction, but like, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's a, yeah, it's and that contrived. sort of thing could have been established earlier, right? Like he could be in, he could be in runway, like pushing for her to keep the more progressive pieces, the more editorial pieces on the table. Like he could have been in there fighting for his pieces to be included. And you could see that Miranda like doesn't give a shit. And so then it does come to develop very late. I mean, we introduced Jacqueline as like her rival, but never why for a, for a A story that is about a journalist, a woman, a young woman who wants to be a journalist, we talk almost zero about the actual freaking content of this magazine. Right. I mean, and we that have could a have bit. Been, no, because the content is the that fashion. That could have been, you know, more of a sticking point. That could have been m- more of a source of conflict. Is that, like, that is her, you know, that's her loss of integrity, maybe, is that there, may, that mm-hmm. she did get to do freelance pieces, but she was doing freelance about crap that didn't matter, you know, or things like that, or they got watered down. Those types of things, like, we have these journalists in in the mix that never do anything journalistic. We just hear about it, but it's not a part of the story. But then it's this big motivating factor for two of the characters two of the main right. characters. So I don't know. I guess that was yeah. strange. Well, to and me another too. thing about Andy's like larger professional goals and all that is the throwaway comment from her dad that she was accepted to Stanford law. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, you turned down Stanford law to be the assistant in a fashion magazine. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad choice or whatever. We just like never get into that. Like, Why okay. So usually if you get accepted to law school, that means you like, took the te- the LSAT or whatever yeah. and like sat for that and did all that studying. So then like, what, why did Andy change her mind? Like, why does Andy want to be a journalist? Mm-hmm. If apparently she wanted to be a lawyer until very I mean, recently. In as, her, like as someone who studied for, and then walked out of the LSAT, I didn't have a problem with that moment <laughs> because I understood. Um, like, yeah, it was like, Oh, this was, I'm not doing this for me. This is not what I really want. It just seemed like the next step because I do get that. Like, but, but she never talked in the about movie. That. Like we you know, could have that had background. so like, yeah. Okay, so like, this person who's very smart did really well in school wants to be a journalist. Why? And she even says to Christian, like, my dream job is to work for the New Yorker. Okay, why? Like literally why? one line. Why? <laughs> and then if that is so, like, if I'm supposed to believe that that is like the core intrinsic motivation for this character to put up with Miranda Priestley's bullshit for weeks or months or however long this mo- it's months. It's like eight, eight months, months or something. Cause she, yeah. Yeah. I think it is. I think it's like five something. or six. Yeah. yeah. If I, if I'm to believe that that's strong enough, then why did she not go meet Christian's editor? Good question. Like that. Yeah. Very. Important. She was already late for the, pouty pity party birthday yeah. thing so that like 
I mean, like if, if that's, and that's the thing is like, if that's so important, then he should have known. The boyfriend should have known. You get, you text him or you get on the phone with him and you're like, Hey, the person who can give me my dream job wants to hang out at the bar. And then your boyfriend says, cool, we can, we can do a birthday See lunch tomorrow. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, know. you know, so I know, like, so it just seems like a lot of the conflict is contrived. And I then, love how we, like, yeah. I don't know. I love how we always start these being like, oh, this is, like, we started with, like, oh, this is, like, a really tight script. Like, it was really tight. And then we're like, oh, but this hole, <laughs> but, and but this like, hole, and this plot hole. Um, I think that, yeah, it is still tight. Yeah, we use the word. I think we use the word tight, like to mean that it like, it's just hitting beats and it's moving, yeah. not necessarily that there are like, issues this, with right, the, the story, you know, the plot or the, the, yes. uh, the depth of it. And, and that is a big thing. That tight. is a big thing in movies from this era is like yeah. just hitting the beats and not necessarily thinking too terribly beyond um, our characters just like immediate traits, right? Exactly. Our characters yeah. sort of become just vehicles of hitting the Story. marks. Yeah. Um, and not, this and, made and, me... and people have gotten a little more wise and a little more particular about that recently because we are looking for more accurate representations, more realistic portrayals and things that we can connect with more instead of just like, you know, skimming along the surface of a story something. hitting all the plot points. It made me want, because I watched it on Hulu this time, like for the, for the show. And I realized that I own it on DVD mm-hmm. and some of the plot holes, I kind of wanted to be like, can I go back to the DVD and check the deleted mm-hmm. scenes? Because mm-hmm. I wonder if, you know, it's like, Oh, it's got to be under two hours because yeah. back then, like, no movie could be longer right. than two hours, and especially like a romantic comedy kind of thing. Like, that was never going to be that long. But I'm like, I wonder what's like missing on the cutting room floor per se right. that would actually fill in some of those things. And I do remember there are deleted scenes. I just don't remember right. what the heck they are. But I do own that DVD. It's in a well, bin in my basement somewhere. I mean, that's been one of the interesting things about like looking at the scripts because I feel like. And this, I don't think was in the movie, but in the script, in that Stanford conversation, she's like, that's what you wanted for me, not what I wanted for me in the script. Like, that's there. But I uh-huh. don't think that's she in the movie, okay. no. which is like, it's really interesting that because that, yeah. even that just that line, line would have would have justified that exchange. And like, we wouldn't be having that. Like, why is that happening? Yeah. Um, we picked apart our uh, worst lines pretty well. What was your best? And I knew before I watched the movie what my best line was going to be. I knew what scene it was. I knew exactly where was it was going to be. The sweater, the cerulean sweater. Yes, yeah. of course it was. That, um, that was not yeah. mine, but I was like that. I mean, that monologue is the it movie to me. It is. That, that is and the movie And it's the thing me. that sticks out. It's what got her a friggin' Oscar nomination. Like, it's just so it's perfect. excellent. You go to your closet and you select, I don't know, that lumpy blue sweater for instance because you're trying to tell the world that you take yourself too seriously to care about what you put on your back but what you don't know is that that sweater is not just blue it's not turquoise it's not lapis it's actually cerulean and you're also blithely unaware of the fact that in 2002 oscar de la renta did a collection of cerulean gowns and then i think it was yves saint laurent wasn't it who showed cerulean military jackets i think we need a jacket here Mm. 
And then Cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. And then it uh, filtered down through the department stores and then trickled on down into some tragic casual corner where you no doubt fished it out of some clearance bin. However, that blue represents millions of dollars and countless jobs. And it's sort of comical how you think that you've made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry when in fact you're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. The part of that I chose was mm -hmm. that color is worth a million's is worth millions of yes. dollars and many jobs. And here you are thinking you made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry. In truth, you are wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. And it just, yeah. I think, so encapsulates the way that Andy and everybody around her, her friends, her boyfriend, think that this like is trite and, tri and trivial and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's not. There, there are yeah. jobs up in it what yeah. everybody wears on a day-to-day -day basis how you express yourself and there's so much about fashion that is not just fashion right it was it's that to me that is the movie that is the scene in the movie and it is withering it, it Meryl Streep is yeah. I mean she's Meryl Streep it's that yeah, that was like Meryl I knew Street, it beforehand yeah. I was like I'll hold <laughs> reserve judgment to see if there's another best line and I was like nope that's the line that's the line I, re I, I figured that I would have either the whole thing or something from it as my best line. I think it really is, but I, I tend to like to not do monologues. But you did pick like a section of it, not the whole yeah. thing. But I have one, my what I ended up choosing as my best line because I'm a writer because I wanted to be a journalist. Um, and it's very similar to the, it plays into the same whole theme that you, that she gives in the monologue, but takes it down more to like, I think the specific level of like their environment at that magazine. When he's, when Stanley Tucci says to her, you think this is a magazine? This is, or you think that this is just a magazine. This is not just a magazine. This is a shining beacon of hope. And and I, I loved that because he has more to say. He has a kind of a monologue of his own, like talking about being, you know, a young, like preteen, adolescent gay boy with older brothers who, and he was already obsessed with fashion. And that was sort of his solace. But it's like, I it love that is, moment too. it's, it is something that people put a lot of work into and it's not fair for her who is also putting in a lot of work <laughs> to be so dismissive of the content because all types of content mean all types of different things for all types of different people. Mm -hmm. And it's just this whole idea that like, I think we're becoming as a society a little more receptive of is like the idea that it's not for me. That's acceptable. Like something can be not for me and still be yeah. worthy. Valid of, and valuable. Uh, yeah. Like worthy of attention and still like recognize that just because I don't like this doesn't mean that millions of other people don't see this exactly. as, like their reason to get up in the morning, <laughs> their, their favorite thing in the world, the thing that, 
you know, drives their ambition. Like, you know, so I really liked that. And yeah, I think Andy did deserve everybody like shoving it in her face as she was being kind of a snot, you know, about this whole, you know, being so cavalier about what they do for a living and what they are all very clearly passionate about. Mm-hmm. And she should know that, too, as a journalist who wants to work for a magazine. Yeah. <laughs> and and Stanley Tucci. I just had to pick something from Stanley Tucci. I did well, have, like, kind of a runner-up. I did have a runner-up when he, like, first sees her. I think it's when he first sees her. Mm-hmm. And he says... Are we doing a before and after piece exactly. I don't know about? And I was like, that's kind of the movie. We kind of are. <laughs> I mean, it's so many of Anne Hathaway's early movies. I mean, it is her earliest movie. Yeah, actually, yeah. Her big, her yep. star maker there. Yeah. But yeah, um, Kate, I, I, I just thought that was funny. It's like a little bit foreshadowing because he's going to do the before and after. <laughs> he yeah. is going to. <laughs> I think it's so sweet when he brings her the kitten heels like he knows there's no way she's going to be able to walk around in stilettos but he's like clock those shoes miranda's gonna hate Mm. them he goes guesses her size and brings her he's like there's a kitten heel and he doesn't make a big deal out of it but i'm like oh yeah because obviously she's not going to be able to walk in anything else like i thought that was (laughs) very cute katie what was your best line um okay i think that mine is maybe not as deep as your guys's but That's i love fine. it every time and it's right before the cerulean blue thing and it's when stanley tucci says give me a full ballerina skirt and a hint of saloon and i'm on board and i just yes. love that he says that like to miranda Priestly, like in you know like theoretically vogue with anna wintour or whatever and he's like and a hint of saloon and i'm on board <laughs> you're just like what yes. i love that anyways i love you're that like, every almost- time but i also do I was just going to say, and then my other thing that I just kind of love how she delivers it is like when Miranda at the very beginning, when there's, um, when Andy is getting like introed a little bit and Emily says something about how the, you know, the second assistant had been working out and blah, blah, blah. And then Miranda gets there early and she's pissed about her facial <laughs> being like canceled and, and, you know, I was like, I confirmed last night and it's a ruptured disc. And, and I just love Miranda yes. details of your incompetence. Do not I interest me. I wrote that one down. <laughs> and it's so good. That same, another Stanley Tucci gym. I love when she shows up or she's coming up the elevator and he's like, gird your loins. And then, yes. he, and yes. then he like looks around and he's like, did someone eat an onion bagel? I know. An onion bagel. <laughs> I, I had that too. Everything Stanley Tucci says in this movie is gold. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, everything Amazing. that Stanley Tucci says in most movies. He should have been nominated for an Oscar. Everything that Stanley Tucci says in most movies is gold. No, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching this one. And I think one of the interesting mm-hmm. things that we, one of the problems that we had with it was like there seemed to be things missing for sake of time. And I think that's a good transition into the next movie because I think we could have cut down time quite a bit on Cruella. Like it is a runtime of two hours and 15 minutes, which is too long for most movies. And for a children's movie, I mean, ostensibly a, not children's, I would say, but like a Disney movie that you know kids are going to be watching because it has the connection to a Disney movie, like Disney characters Two hours and 15 minutes is too long for me. Okay, like, so there was... There's so much exposition yeah. in that and movie. And the movie doesn't start till 45 minutes in. If you ever find yourself in the in what you assume is like the climax of the movie, pausing the movie 
to see how long is left and there's still 45 minutes left, that's a problem. That's a yes. big problem. There were two climaxes in this movie yes, that were, were basically the same. Pretty much. Yeah. So when she went to the when she went to the fountain, mm-hmm. I, I was like, "Is this the end?" Because this feels like I've been watching this movie for a long time, and I paused it, and there was still forty five minutes left. I'm like, "Okay, okay." I mean, I get it. We still need to deal with the Baroness, but like, f- what have we been doing this whole time? Well, <laughs> and we have both the reveals. So Cruella, I don't think I actually chose lines. <laughs> <laughs> I had trouble choosing lines. It was kind of hard. Like, I well, I just don't think there were. I have a bunch of random shit written down, but so okay. So this movie, like, so we're following the origin story of Cruella, and like, this has been a big thing of like origin stories of villains, which I like loved Maleficent. I totally got behind Maleficent. I thought they did a good <laughs> job with it, but there was also yeah. like a very clear like you could see how scorned she was and all that, and like I didn't get like yeah, the Baroness killed. Um, Cruella's mother and then was her mother like killed her adoptive mother was her birth mother there there were too many reveals that had zero impact for me and it just I didn't I didn't really see the um the inciting incident into depravity if you will like she didn't she she was just like crazy some when she was a baby she never I know Because the Baroness was crazy, and so Cruella has to be crazy as well. Like, passed on genetically or something, yeah. here's the thing. I I didn't... I'm not going to say I hated this movie or disliked it. I enjoyed watching it. I was at least invested in where they were going with the story. I did Um, not. Here's the deal. (laughs) Like, the whole... With this cast, Mm -hmm. like, this movie... Cruella was never my favorite villain by any means. Um, but it's just kind of like with this, with this, I think the cast specifically, I just sort of felt like it didn't land. I really thought with the subject right. matter, like with, with a story that has like all of these twists and multiple different heists and is set in this really like vibrant, angsty London, you know, glam punk rock. Yeah. Era. It was beautiful. It was things, a beautiful like, movie. Yeah. It felt like there were all the correct elements mm-hmm. and it just didn't get its footing or something to, to just like knock it out of the park. I really liked a lot of it. I really thought both Emma's did an incredible job. Yes, I, um, I loved all mm-hmm. the characters. I loved all the characters. I thought that that was like the performances, the actors, all of that was great. And they did such a good job, like really grounding like Jasper and Horace, who we don't mm-hmm. ever get anything with from the the animated movies. I did um, love their backstory. Yeah, that was I good. loved. I loved their little like Oliver and like Company moments, yeah, like, with the dogs. Oh, you doing would. little heists and stuff, and and that was the best. I don't know. I there was so much I liked about this movie, and, but still feeling like yes, it was long, and yes, it just felt bland at parts. Yeah, and that's what I couldn't. 
that's what I couldn't put my finger on is like, I didn't write very much down because nothing was really like sticking or landing in the way that I felt that it should because it wasn't like I was disliking it. It was just kind of, it was very passive and it shouldn't have been passive. It was a very, you know, the things that were going on were literally explosive. (laughs) I mean, we've got fireworks and smoke bombs and, and, uh, buildings burning down and that sort of thing. And it's like, it feels like there's so much going on and it feels like there's nothing going on at the same time. I don't know what that is. That's it's weird. But I do, I thought it was very, in the end, I thought it was a rather cute movie. Banger soundtrack. The soundtrack yes. freaking upstaged a lot of what was going on at certain points. The clothing and the soundtrack were the best parts of it. So much music. It seemed like there were scenes in there that were just there because somebody was like, and I need to put this song in as this scene rolls in. And it's like, okay, I love this song, but like, I'm not mad about hearing this music, but also the music was like so recognizable, so, so in your face that there were a couple scenes where the song choice took away from like what was happening on the screen. So don't make your soundtrack better than your movie. <laughs> this is a lesson from this. And and to your point, and here's where I think Cruella goes wrong in the terms of the Dalmatians franchise, mm. which has spawned several films at this point, six or so, I think, if you count Cruella. Oh my gosh, really? So this is the fifth movie, but she has apparently signed to star and produce in Cruella 2. Here's the deal. We didn't not we did not get any reason for why this person becomes the one from the movies. No, we don't get I mean other than that the in Baroness fact, has Dalmatians. The opposite. <laughs> she loves those Dalmatians. She keeps them. They live with her. They love her. They listen to her. And she loves fake, dogs. She loves animals. She, and it's a fake coat. Like, it's fake fur coat. Yeah. And she... Well, and even the setup at yeah. the end where she gives the Dalmatian okay, puppies and are those... to, like, the people that she kind of actually likes. Mm-hmm. And then they're... What are they, the Dalmatian She's... puppies have the names of the parents in the 101. That was and I'm like, I get nice. that setup, but then how... My biggest problem was... Well, they're, okay. they're siblings. Are Pongo and Perdita siblings? Is that what I'm supposed to believe? Are the 15 puppies from 101 Dalmatians incest? Maybe that's why they have 15 of them, because they really shouldn't have been having puppies together at all. And so so many popped out. I don't know. But she gives them to people that she actually kind of likes. And then she's going to go and steal their puppies. One person who was nice to her. My my big problem as Roger. She did not know Roger in the original movies. But, We've completely retconned this relationship that she actually knows Roger. Roger and, and Anita. Right. She knew Anita. She We always oh, knew she knew Anita. I don't they remember, said I don't in, in, they have some other, they were like college, they took some fashion courses together. Well, and she works for her in the Glenn Close remake. In the animated movie, she says multiple times, that they're old school mates. I always assumed it was like college, okay. but in then in this movie that's they were in elementary school together. Like elementary school or yeah. 
Yeah. But then they um, work together as well. So okay, here's my here's my weird. other problem with that is when they meet in elementary school, Anita's name is Anita Darling. We never yeah. know Roger's name in in Cruella, but are we to believe <laughs> that Roger takes Anita's last name? Because I am here for it. He kind of I am seems... here for it, but that is what they set up there. Yeah. Because her name, when if, if she takes Roger's last name, she would not be Anita Darling when they get married, unless yeah. you know. I don't know. The Roger in this in well, this movie about, like, strikes what? me as the kind of man who would take yeah his that's wife's true. last name. Yeah, I yeah. mean, very very true. ahead of its time, but like. Also, well, it's the 70s, the... so they make a really big point that it's in the 70s, but then how yes. does that line up with the animated one? It I mean, I'm not saying it has to line That's up, like but like if they're early, the book was written to. in the 50s. Yeah. And the, movie, the animated and the feeling movie of the animated is, movie. Is, the, is the 60s. Like the clothes and everything. Yeah, it feels like the 60s, and now we're in the earlier. 70s and making a really big point oh, it's of big. calling it the 70s. Yes. I always thought it was earlier, but that could be misremembering, and I guess 60s makes sense. I don't know when the book takes place. The book See, that's what I thought. I thought it place. took place way earlier. It could, but it was published in in the 50s. I mean, I think to your point about like the music and things, it just... I mean, the performances were great. It was fun. It was visually a stunning movie. Mm-hmm. But story-wise and script-wise, yeah. like, I wrote down a lot, but I also wrote down so little just because like, there wasn't much to... Like, yeah. this, this, yeah. the, the lines, The lines that were there to me... We're just, eh. like, there wasn't like it was so. I think that's the thing too when we're thinking really about hard. like what who this movie was for. Like, who is your audience? Is it for an older uh, audience? Yeah. Is it for or is it for it was PG-13. A Disney? I mean, well, no, it was yeah. rated PG thirteen. But the dialogue so. is so blank. Like the dialogue yeah. is written as if it's a kids movie. Yes, but the movie is PG thirteen, and it's more for an older audience. But the dialogue is so there are so many jokes and so many lines. You're like that is forcing like a kids movie, not even a good one, right. like a kids movie joke into this movie where it doesn't fit. And just the dialogue was so surface level to me that I that's like my yes. biggest problem with the movie. And if you're gonna do or like an origin story, it comes back to like it's very frustrating that she doesn't really have an origin to why she's crazy right. other than. Like her mother is crazy, but her mother, you don't really think that the Baron, I mean, I didn't take it. Like the Baroness was like literally like mentally unstable. It's more like the Baroness. Yeah. Yeah, She's just had power for so long. So she has these crazy expectations. I mean, it's crazy that you murdered somebody with your dogs, obviously, but like it doesn't seem like you're talking about, oh, it's a genetic condition. Yeah. (laughs) Multiple times. Right. But it doesn't seem like we're talking about it's like a genetic condition. And then the baby was like a nature versus nurture or whatever, like her nature took over. We just accept that she's crazy and she's been crazy since she was a child and her adoptive mother tried to help her. And then now she talks to a fountain. They gave us the reason right there, right in the beginning. There's the reason the Dalmatians I hate Dalmatians because Dalmatians killed, killed my, my mother. mother. And then we yeah. spend actually the the next two hours just walking that back. Just completely. No, 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 no. She's actually like the amount of time that we spend being like explaining these tendencies that she does have, mm-hmm. but all the while making her look like she's, actually this nice 
person. She's thoughtful. She's creative. She's ambitious, like justifying everything to the point that at the end, I was like, I like her and I know that she's not going to go do what I've seen her go do in other movies. Like they, they do just, it was like Maleficent, right? Where we knew that this was a retelling. I did not know that this was like a retelling and it really wasn't. Because they didn't get to the part that we would have to retell. And so I don't know if that's what they're going to do in a sequel is be like, well, try to, to give it more of like the Cruella was misunderstood, you know, in the original 101 Almations. I just really think that Disney is never going to do a full on origin story. They can't. You it's can't. not in their brand. It's not in their brand. You cannot do what because here's what I kept thinking. Especially at like I kept thinking, okay, the Dalmatians killing her mother was ambiguous enough, right? Because she does kind of figure out it was at the Baroness's command. So it's really the Baroness's fault. But like if the Dalmatians do one more thing, then she's gonna be pissed. So I thought the Dalmatians were gonna kill Buddy. And then I would have been like, Yeah. Mm-hmm kill those because buddy was like my favorite character in the movie <laughs> the dog her see, dog i thought the dalmatians were gonna like rip yeah. up her fashion I thought, and she was gonna get pit like they were gonna destroy the studio i thought or the something. dalmatians were just going to those the baroness's original three dalmatians were just going to continue to make her life a living hell and mm-hmm. like that was just going to cause her to break on top of uh, this like traumatic news that she's been receiving about her mothers. <laughs> um, but I was but like, also how old are the were... Dalmatians if it's the same three? Yeah. Like how old are the Dalmatians then do we think years. if it's the same three? Because it's, it's been Dalmatians 10 years. So like those dogs should be old. They don't, no. Yeah, they like, don't I, It makes long. sense that, <laughs> those her, dogs little, should be, like, very old that her little like stray rat terrier guy lives to be 10. Yeah, she could totally still sure. be yeah, around. But those, those were mature Dalmatians and then 10 years passes. Trained enough to murder people. And she's, she's having a baby, apparently. One of them. Supposedly. I'm supposed to yeah, believe that Pongo and Perdita are <laughs> incest dog doggies. And they came from one of the one of the Baronesses. They have to be new. She just has to be getting new ones right. all the time. Because yeah. you can't know. A 13-year-old Dalmatian is not alive likely (laughs) definitely not having puppies so this is a new set i guess but i could understand her being like man dalmatians are evil like because they killed my mom and then they killed my puppy and they ruined my fashion and they killed horace and they killed jasper like you know just that would have been a little bit over the top that would have made it like pretty campy then maybe it would have worked (laughs) but like But yeah, just I I just kept thinking that some other bad thing is going to happen with these Dalmatians, and then no, she loves the Dalmatians. Yeah, she's. It was. They make fun. I, I don't. Yeah, it was very strange. What were like your? I mean, I just had a tro- I had trouble choosing lines for this one because I just had because there in the two hour and fifteen minute movie there wasn't much. Like there was a lot of yeah. action. There was there a wasn't lot of, a lot of like best or worst either way. It was all just sort of there. Blase. Did you end up choosing any? Either. Like, what were you yeah, I kind of did. I kind of did too. So for 
Okay. So for the best lines, I sort of had like a couple that I liked. Just I like when her mother at the beginning at the school just says like, well, might I say your school seems to turn out horrible children. <laughs> Cause I'm like, well, that's honest <laughs> and just kind of nice to this like stuffy headmaster. So I liked that. Um, and then it's trying so hard, but I still kind of giggled when she said like when she uses her skirt yes, as the, that's what I... um, like when or whatever. And she goes, a well-cut skirt is a lifesaver girls. Remember that's that. That's what I chose. I, Cause I was I like, kinda, that was, I, I fell for it. <laughs> Yeah, I but, I chose I went deeper with my best yeah. line. I actually chose one of the Baroness's lines because I think it like sums up her character. You can't care about anyone else. Everyone else is an obstacle. You care what an obstacle wants or feels you're dead. If I'd cared about anyone or thing, I might have died like so many brilliant women with a draw full of unseen genius and a heart full of sad bitterness. And I think like that line is just like so yeah it's a good line like that's that's the character and like she's ruthless because she had an ambition and it fits for like what we often tell women and i mean it sucks that she's like a villain but like also it's like i mean it's the same it's a miranda Priestley type of thing like she uh-huh. like totally did what she had to do okay miranda Priestley didn't kill people but like did what she had to do because that she was a woman and got that we know of yeah <laughs> And, you know, got her way to the top that way. And so I thought, like, I thought that was a well-crafted line. It was the best of what I had written down, I think. Yeah. And I did, I I did really like, there was another one I really liked when she does go, when she finds out that the Baroness is her birth mother, she immediately goes to this fountain in Regent's Park that sort of represents her mother because Mm -hmm. that's where they were going to go before the mother got killed, they were going to go find a place to live in London and they were going to go to Regent's park and have tea at the fountain. So she's been going to talk to the mom the whole time. And so she explains all this stuff and she's upset that the mother like covered it up. And you think that's going to be some source of like rage for her, but it ends up not being, she is, is very sympathetic to the mother who raised her still. And she's, but you can tell that she's kind of conflicted about her place and her lineage and that kind of thing. But she does, when she decides to leave, she says, mustache, much to avenge, revenge, and destroy, but I do love you always. And I just thought that was a good representation of the character. Like, she is just this portrayal of her is just sort of like impulsive and chaotic and not necessarily evil. You know, it's like she's, she's wanting revenge for this, then wanting revenge for that. And she's just very destructive, but at her core, she does have this very well rooted sense of family and loyalty to herself and to the people that she loves. So I do think that that's where Disney does the retelling really well. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, we can find, you know, these, these points of like connection for the, for even a villain. We can take a villain yeah. and we can say, this is what was really going on. And that, and this idea that like love really is behind all motivations um they do that really well they cannot do the like 
they they really hint at it a little bit more in this movie that they're going to, and then they don't. They just can't. They can't. Yeah. Unless Disney's like, we're going to make an uh-huh. R-rated movie or whatever. Like, it just... No, where, where she's sitting with Jasper out on the balcony, and he's basically like, please don't do anything that you're going to regret, you know? Yeah. And she's like, I'm not going to kill her. And... And you're kind of in your head as the viewer knowing who Cruella DeVille is, like, you're not? <laughs> like, why not? Yeah, absolutely. I was like, are you lying? And then she's or like, like, what are we supposed to think? she's very coy about it. And like the same thing with the dogs. Like they want you to believe for a couple minutes here that she killed those dogs and made the coat to taunt the Baroness when she does uh-huh. like the, w- one of my favorite terms ever, a fashion riot. Then yeah. on the news when she goes to the little convenience store after they're like, a fashion riot has broken out yes. <laughs> outside of the Baroness's spring great. collection showing or whatever. And I was like, a fashion riot. I love that. Love that so, too. I and, and she's riot. like, no, I didn't. I would, you know, she wants people to believe that she could walk in and kill the Baroness, that she could make a dog out of coats. But then when it comes down to it, she she's like, are you people or a coat out of dogs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, are you? Then she kind of turns it around on everyone. Like, are you crazy? I would never do that. Right. I, I'm not. And she says to Jasper, like, Unless I really, really have to. And she's like, she's joking, but is she joking? But then you realize right. she's joking. She's not going to do that. And, and so I liked it. I liked this character. I think my worst lines come from what I was saying earlier about like the confusion of what the movie wanted to be. Kind of like just goes to like how the script was con- crafted, I think. Um, I chose... Um, yeah, let's ruin, or I guess this is an exchange rather than a line. Yeah, let's ruin someone's day. You mean the Baroness? Obviously, I mean the Baroness. Right. Why? Who do you think? No, you said someone. Someone could be anyone. And I'm like, that dialogue is just clunky. Yeah. And it's like, if it was a kid's movie and they had an exchange earlier when she was getting expelled too with the like, it's too late because I withdrew her first. So that can't be on her record. I yeah, said expelled. Yeah, yeah. I'd already said it. Had it, did it. And it's like, that fits for a kid's movie. Like that is... Mm-hmm. Good dialogue that a kid and and yeah. I mean Disney does this all the time in a kids movie they throw in dialogue for the adults and it's brilliant but this feels like it doesn't work like you're throwing in something for like that kids are going to respond to but it doesn't work in the context of the greater movie and so the like I just it it, it bumped for me with with the way that this ends and the you know the, it almost feels like this should have been a series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a Disney Plus series. Yeah, like I agree, you know, totally. Like a six-hour limited miniseries. Yes, one hundred. And they could have taken a little more time with with this section and not had it feel so like for a movie it felt long, but for a series we could have let mm-hmm. you know each individual out. heist be an episode because it it is really heisty and they want to make it a point to say that like she's this scrappy little thief at heart and it's like okay all right i'll Mm -hmm. buy it but then like that feels like it's cut off and then and then i loved the whole concept of the fashion wars like the actual fashion war and that kind of gets like not enough not enough of that treatment um you know almost reduced to like a couple montages um and Uh that could have been an entire episode or two. And then you can transition 
from from this section of her life into like okay then what if this is the character i'm following then what the right. heck was this 101 puppies bullshit right i totally i would have been totally behind a yeah. mini series totally totally yeah. behind my worst line was just this whole idea, and we talked about it with Andy, too, in Devil Wears Prada, this, like, repeating the same things about yourself because we're not getting, like, enough other clues about your justifications for what yeah. you're doing. And we're not – it's a lot of telling instead of showing. Like, just exactly. show me your priorities. Just show me your priorities. And I'm watching them, and usually a lot of times they are there. So I don't need to keep hearing you say – things about yourself. And and I didn't buy this Baroness character as quickly as I bought Miranda Priestly. I got it, but like at the same time, she just did so much really cliche one-liners about how powerful she was and blah, blah, blah. And like just very unnecessarily poignant things that she said that were like relevant but also just served to show that she's a psycho which we watched you have a woman killed by your dogs i know you're a psycho yeah. like yes. i get it you don't have to keep saying these weird like machiavellian trite things for me to understand that you're a complete and total psychotic narcissist i get it and so she has this line right in the middle of the fashion wars when you think she's kind of starting to suspect that it's Estella is Cruella, but mm -hmm. she doesn't, which let's just that, not even, let's just not we'll even crack that. that egg. Let's just keep that can of worms closed. <laughs> but she says, she's talking about how Cruella is brilliant. Cruella is a great designer. Mm -hmm. Cruella has talent and she has pizzazz and, and, and she says, but she has made it me or her. And I choose me. And it's like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> like, who wouldn't? It's your business. Like, that doesn't make you crazy. That doesn't make you ruthless. It's your business. Anyone would say that about a competitor who's shoving their shit in your face, who is mm -hmm. openly taunting you at every yes. single turn. Maybe it's their business to ruin your like, business. Who would just, who, that was so unnecessary. And didn't even do anything to, like, show... Now, if if she had, like, said something fucking crazy, like, and I'm going to kill her, there you go. <laughs> like, that right. shows, you know, that creates way more tension between the characters. That shows that she's just absolutely ruthless and, and psychotic. But yes. she, And I choose me. Okay, yeah, everyone would. Or even something like, and she's got to go, or something like that. And, like, like something that... Oh. indicates then indicates the course of action yeah it was just so so obvious and so pointless at this it was just like okay yeah no, okay <laughs> katie what was yours well i think it kind of so it goes kind of along with what Jess was saying it's just like there were so many just like trite moments mm -hmm. where you're just like okay like and if it had been a kids movie that would be different because those lines would be written towards kids but the things that it's not a kid's movie. Like, it, you know, like you said, it's PG 13. It's literally not a kid's movie. 
but also so much of it doesn't play that way. But I just, I hate that she's like, I'm just born brilliant, born bad, right. and maybe a little so bit much mad. That. And you're like, that felt like such a cop out, like excuse thing. And you're just like, oh my God, like, yeah. okay, cool. Congratulations. And it's kind of what you were saying. It's like her repeatedly like yeah. telling us what we're supposed to think about her, even though that's not what we've seen. So that line like really bugged me and it's in the trailer too. And I heard it in the trailer and was like, okay. <laughs> And then when I saw it play out in the movie, I like hated it even more. Cause I was like, that's, I don't, I don't like that. And it kind of, some of the, like her, like showing us who she is versus like telling us repeatedly who mm-hmm. she is. I don't remember the line exactly. Cause I didn't write it down, but at some point when she finally makes like the flip, when I think she finds out like the, the, before she knows the Baroness is her mother, but she f- realizes that the Baroness killed her mom or who she thinks is her mom or whatever. Mm-hmm it's somewhere in there that she has this realization where she's like, I just can't pretend anymore. Like Cruella's going to come out permanently and like pretending wasn't working. And I'm like, says who you've been pretending for 10 years and you like built a family and had this whole heist business and this like cute dog. Like it seems like it's been working for you. I don't buy that. I don't buy that suddenly like realizing that your mom's death wasn't your fault and it was someone else's fault suddenly makes you shift of like, Oh, I can go back to being who I really am. I was faking this whole time. Like bullshit. Like, I don't know. Can I swear on this? Yeah. We do all the time. I think I already did a bunch. (laughs) Okay. I, (laughs) that just felt very like, the, the, the way they treat the concept of an alter ego is very muddled in this. Yeah. Like that. She, at times it's like she has control and times it's like she doesn't. And then it's times it's like we're, you know, like when we have this sort of series of scenes where Jasper's really concerned that she's being rude and it's like, okay, she's, it's not like split personality, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just a little bit of an alter ego that her and her mother came up with to help her behave better. Right. And it, and it's not, and that's fine. Right. But I don't think that's times, a very And at times they treat it like that. At times she talks about it like that. Like, I need to be Cruella to get this done. That's right. fine. If you're right. acknowledging that you need to, like, push the limit or be a little more, like, uh, creative or ambitious or whatever like if you're just saying hey i may have to step on some toes to get this shit done cool that's like exactly what your mom wanted was like cruella is fine in these capacities but like in school she's not you can't behave that way in school you'll get in trouble Mm -hmm. um which she never did anyway so (laughs) she was misbehaving in school the whole time it's the whole setup of the movie but like but then there's also sometimes this idea that, like, it is a completely different person that she doesn't have control over that just, like, takes over and is a bitch for no reason. And is represented by her black yeah. and white hair, which no one ever actually talks about, which I can't decide if I hate or actually kind of enjoy that everyone obviously recognizes it because it's so distinct, but never like yeah. speaks of it. Other than him being like, all the girls are dyeing their hair that way yeah. these days. Like, um, I can't remember who it is, but the like the buttery mm-hmm. kind of guy who saved her yeah. originally. Like, that's the only time that's discussed, but its presence is like a representation of like, Cruella's on the loose. Yeah. And when she's a redhead, she's nice. Yeah, it is. It's it's not handled with much 
continuity or clarity at all. I think I would have preferred if it was, if it was just like, Hey, this is what I do. You know, I can believe that this is a woman who like plays characters, you know, and is like, this is how I feel today. I'm feeling really creative. Um, and I'm feeling like I want to go get in trouble. So I'm in a Cruella mode, you know, I'm going to put on, I'm going to take my wig off and I'm just going to be Cruella today. Like, that's fine. But there was no, there just wasn't a lot of consistency, you know, and and I'm, am I supposed to believe also that like, she hasn't gone into Cruella mode in 10 years of being a friggin' thief? Right. Or is she just they never called like it that? They, like, exactly. They act like they've never seen this side of her when it's something that yeah. she let she let her go the whole time in school and she's now actively breaking the law for her living for 10 years and she was never in Cruella mode. I don't I don't know. Yeah, it's it's that's a there are some plot holes here. There are some plot holes. I think I think I can. Here's, a, here's this other plot hole that I was like, how my husband actually pointed this out, and then I would just like, it just stuck with me, and this is a weird thing to have stick with me. But then you know, like if you have a dog, this is the stuff, the crap, literally that you have to think about. But how long oh, were sh- they waiting for these Dalmatians to poop? To poop. Oh it feels like it's been almost at least a month. That's days. The first time that they show the dog pooping out with Horace on the leash, you fe- it feels like it's been at least three days, like you said. Yes. That she's working on the spring collection. And I think she even says how long until the spring collection. And it's like, a w- it's something in weeks. Like three weeks or something. I could be totally wrong, but I know she's like, oh, my spring collection show is in this amount of time. And Cruella makes this entire hand-sewn beaded dress in the amount of time with with a thousand, you think they're gold beads, but they're golden moth cocoons. And the moths break out and eat all the dresses in her spring collection, which I thought was actual genius. I, genius. I actually thought that was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably my like favorite plot point of the movie. So she makes this, I mean, that would take you forever. Yeah. If you were doing that by hand. Yeah. And, Months. and so, Months. And, and then she, and she has like a bond with these dogs. They listen yeah. to her. And, and they like her and they're comfortable in this house. And like, so I'm feeling like those Dalmatians were with her for three to four weeks and they never find the necklace. Interesting. Yeah. Well, they do eventually find the necklace, don't they? So, so what, I guess what happened is. Because Horace has been like keeping it from her. Oh, Horace has been? Because the butler gives it to her and is like. Did I miss that with Horace? I, I don't like, know. He says he fi- found it oh, in the... I might be remembering wrong. The butler, like, saves her from the fire. Mm. Or the assistant bodyguard. He's just right, kind of, like, he found it in the fire. Him. I guess I and assumed... And then he gives it to her. I assumed that with, the other guys had had it and not given it to her. 
Interesting. I, when he said he found it in, in the apartment, I assumed the Dalmatian shit in the apartment and nobody found it. Yeah, that's kind of what I I took to. Maybe that also. I don't know. I think. But I I guess, yeah, they live with the little, the two little dogs. So, and they don't seem like they care that much for the surroundings of the apartment. So maybe the Dalmatians, maybe they have five dogs in this like studio loft that they yeah. may or may not Lost be um, squatting yeah. in. So the well, but they have I control just... of the whole downstairs because that's where all the sewers are. Right. Mm. It's interesting. Artie's sewers or whatever he like sets up downstairs. Yeah. yeah. I wanted more of him. He was fun. he was fun. Yeah. He was like yeah, yeah Stanley Tucci esque in this. Um, yeah. That's what that role seemed to me. Anyway, I'm excited for or maybe not excited. I am intrigued by Cruella too because I'd like to solve some of these yeah. plot holes. But I, I don't know. I enjoyed some of this movie, I will say. Yeah. I, I don't think it's, like, not worth watching, especially it's if you're long. a Disney fan. Especially if you're, like, a fan of this character. Then, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's it's an, yeah. an intriguing adaptation. I'm just not going to say that it, like, delivers on all the marks, I suppose. Yeah. And it, it is, it'll, yeah, it will confuse fair. you. We'll just say that. <laughs> it will confuse you on some level. You'll be left with questions. You know, like, what is the lifespan of a Dalmatian and how long can they hold their poop? That is, with, with that question, I think, I think we should. Burning questions. I think we should leave that there. Um, yeah. Katie, what would you like people to know about you? Where can they find you? My clothing line is called KD Designs, just my initials, KD Designs. And my website is KD Designs PDX. And that's like my handle on all the social media things. And yeah, I don't know. I would say that the your average fashion designer is not psychotic. <laughs> like that, these, uh, <laughs> that is a good way to do it. Good. good way to end this uh, because we've had some psychotic people in fashion this week so yeah follow Katie Design yeah. um, and- uh, one thing I will say real quick is that um, I obviously followed Katie's shop and her designs and stuff for a while now and every month you do a portion of your proceeds mm-hmm. to a charity that's awesome I always give a portion of my proceeds so it's 5% of all sales not a Five percent of proceeds or five percent of profits or anything like that. I just do five percent of all awesome. sales. Oh, that's nice. Awesome. And one thing that I want to point out too, um, that I've we should say in this as well, like in addition to you not being a psycho fashion <laughs> mogul, <laughs> um, your stuff is extremely body positive, size inclusive. Awesome. Like you are one of the people that I notice, like, is you are really like your models and a lot of your customers. And I've seen you post some of your stuff that's been in shows, like in the Portland area and stuff. And it, it's just like what I think most women would want clothes to be, you know, just. Yeah. Thank you. Just clothes that are cute and, and kind of whimsical, but really like. I know that he that Stanley Tucci says in Devil Wears Prada that fashion is not utility, but it is. You know what? what the average person you have to get dressed gonna, in the morning. <laughs> yeah, the average person is going to spend a majority of their clothing budget on things that do have some utility, that do have comfort, yeah. that do 
serve, you know, a, a practical purpose. But I love that you incorporate like really fun cuts, really fun patterns into something that is just like wearable anywhere. And then you do that in like a way that everybody looks good in it. So, well, I'm going to check it out. Yeah, everything I make Yeah, everything I make is from stretch materials, and then I go up to a four x and almost everything. And and I'm in the process of expanding everything to a five x right now. So some stuff comes in five x, and then my size range starts at small. So trying. (laughs) Awesome. I'm gonna have to go check it out. And while you are checking out Katie's. Katie's uh, clothes, you should check out bestlinewearsline.com and bestlinewearsline on Instagram. And you can download, rate, and review um, bestlinewearsline on all of the places you get your podcasts. Have a great week. Gird your loins. Did someone eat an onion bagel?